This is Latin Pulse, a weekly analysis of news and public affairs in Latin America. Brought to you in cooperation with American University's School of Communication in Washington, D.C. and Link TV. And now here's host Rick Rockwell. Bienvenidos and welcome to Latin Pulse. This week with President Barack Obama making a major trip to Latin America, we discuss the agenda of the United States in the region. But first, Kurt Devine is here with this week's review of news from around Latin America. A brawl broke out in Venezuela's parliament over the recently disputed presidential election. Opposing lawmakers swung fists and wrestled one another, leaving some with black and blue faces. Both parties accused the other of starting the fight. The tension erupted after the ruling party voted to deny the opposition party the right to speak in the forum, saying its members must first recognize newly elected Nicolas Maduro as president. National Assembly Deputy Pedro Carreno spoke about the violence. Once again, we call to the opposition to practice what they preach. This is a criminal hole in our society. The opposition party has demanded a full recount of votes cast on the April 14th election. The National Electoral Council rejected the demand, however, saying Maduro won by 1.49 percentage points. President Barack Obama visits Latin America this week for the first time in his second term, stopping in Mexico and Costa Rica. Although activists have urged Obama to address issues of security and drug violence, Obama said in a news conference that he wants to emphasize job growth and trading between the U.S., Mexico, and Central America. Experts speaking at the Inter-American Dialogue speculated that Obama's trip has additional motivations, however. Former Vice President of Costa Rica, Kevin Casas Zamora, shared his thoughts. This is very unusual. I mean, this, uh, the fact that a, a U.S. president touches Central American soil in twice in basically two years. The only reason I can come up with is also a way for the president to drum up support for immigration reform back home. Casas Zamora said Obama will focus on immigration during meetings in Costa Rica, where he will meet with all of Central America's heads of state. We'll have more on the trip in a moment. An Argentine businesswoman became the Queen of the Netherlands this week upon the coronation of her husband, King Wilhelm Alexander of Orange. 46-year-old Maxima Zorigieta Saruti grew up in Buenos Aires and worked as a successful banker before marrying into the Dutch royal family. While most Argentine newspapers and social media posts celebrate the new queen consort, some question her heritage. Her father, Jorge Zarigueta, served as a government minister during Argentina's Dirty War when the Argentine military killed thousands of dissidents. <music> President Evo Morales of Bolivia says he will expel the U.S. Agency for International Development, or USAID, for undermining his government. Morales previously accused the development organization of funding groups that oppose his leftist policies. In other news from Bolivia, the nation's constitutional court ruled that President Morales can run for a third term in the 2014 elections. The 2009 constitution limits the presidential office to two consecutive terms. For Latin Pulse, I'm Kurt Devine. Thanks, Kurt. With his arrival in Mexico City today, President Obama is on his sixth trip to Latin America. But the numbers are deceiving as Obama has faced criticism for being aloof from the region, or fumbling key issues. 
Some see this trip as one of mending fences and rebuilding relationships as Obama meets with Mexico's new president, Enrique Peña Nieto, and later when Obama arrives in Costa Rica, that nation's president, Laura Chinchilla, will host a gathering of presidents from around Central America and the Dominican Republic who all want to bend Obama's ear. Joining us to analyze the trip are two experts via long distance from San Jose, Costa Rica, Professor Francisco Robles Rivera of the Universidad Nacional and the Universidad de Costa Rica, and in our studio, Mexican economist and political expert Manuel Suarez Mir, who now teaches at American University. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Professor Rick. We'd like to start with you, Manuel. What is the significance of this trip, and, and what can these nations, the various nations, Mexico and the Central American nations, the Dominican Republic, actually do um, during these meetings over the next three days? Well, the significance is that this is the first trip, uh, the first official meeting of the two newly inaugurated presidents. Um, as you know, Mexico has elections every six years. The U.S. has elections every four years. So every 12 years, you, we have the, the double coincidence of new presidents being inaugurated. And that's the case now. Although in the case of Mr. Obama, that's a re-election. Um, but it's significant that this is... Uh, the first official trip of both of them uh, meeting uh, as presidents. And uh, that gives uh, both countries the opportunity to sort of check the mutual agenda, which is very complicated, uh, full of issues and problems, and figure out if they want to carry on as things were moving along with the previous Mexican administration uh, in the four years of uh, the first term of Mr. Obama, and what to do differently. Isn't this the second or third meeting between President Obama and President uh, Peña Nieto? Peña Nieto came before he was even inaugurated. Yeah, that's also another tradition that has been established in the last uh, couple of decades. Uh, President-elects, in this, particularly in, in this uh, um, uh, coincidence of 12 years in which both of them have elections very close by, um, meet each other before they are inaugurated. That's how back in uh, uh, 1988, we launched the spirit of Houston when President Salinas and President uh, Bush Sr. met as president-elects. And uh, we drew out the agenda for that period, starting with the negotiations of the debt, and eventually the trade talks that led to NAFTA. So these meetings in the past have been important to redraw and launch a, a reinvigorated agenda. And since you've mentioned NAFTA, many people have talked about the idea that there needs to be further strengthening of NAFTA. Um, are we going to see anything that bold and grand on the economic front uh, talked about during these three days, do you believe? I hope so, because uh, NAFTA... Uh, has been very good in many respects, but it's stalled in many others. Uh, we haven't done uh, much in terms of infrastructure. We haven't done much in terms of improving the border. Uh, we have serious problems along the border for rapid crossing of trade, uh, of which we have more than one billion per day. Uh, we have to do far more in deepening the the relationship uh, and launching a joint negotiation 
um, as NAFTA, not only in TPP, where both Canada and Mexico has, have been included in the Trans-Pacific uh, Partnership uh, discussions, but also in the new transatlantic uh, treaty that is, is in the works with Europe. Mexico already has a free trade agreement with Europe. Ca uh, Canada is finalizing one. And uh, I believe that it would be in uh, the region's uh, advantage to negotiate as NAFTA, not as individual countries. And, and this is what people have called the NAFTA Plus? Th that's part of the NAFTA Plus, uh, what our colleague uh, Robert Pastor calls uh, the, the North American idea, the idea of going forward to create uh, tighter uh, uh, ties between the countries in such a way that we can really uh, move forward in several uh, new partnership ideas. Let me bring Professor Robles Rivera into the conversation. Certainly there have been um, discussions about CAFTA, the Central American Free Trade Agreement. And any thoughts about um, economic progress that we may see from this trip? Uh, okay, thank you, Professor uh, Rebel. Well, uh, I think Costa Rica will focus on uh, to request the United States support uh, to join Trans-Pacific, as Professor Manuel said, to, to join Trans-Pacific Partnership. And also in the case of Costa Rica, uh, they will uh, they will request uh, support to join also the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. And in the case of the United States, um, I think they are interested in opportunities to invest in, in clean energies based specifically in such as the sun, wine, uh, wind, and natural gas in the region. Let me uh, say something critical touch about NAFTA, because I think we will we will have to discuss that um, um, if if we if new trade and economic agreements uh, has helped uh, the Central American countries to face poverty and inequalities. I don't think so, because uh, CAFTA was approved in the majority of the countries uh, six, seven years ago, but um, we are now more dependent on U.S. Exp on, on U.S. imports, and in the case of Costa Rica, in inequality in the last five years uh, has grown rapidly. So I think we need to be a little bit critical about this initiative because we need to think about if these initiatives are just for a favor some transnational uh, and elite interest or it is something else. Manuel, did you have some thoughts along those lines? Well, yes. Um, uh, Professor Robles brings up a very important point. Um, trade does not automatically translate into everyone being better off. Uh, in Mexico, we have had that experience. The northern part of the country, which is far more integrated with the U.S., has done very well. The southern part of the country, which is not, has done very badly. So we, we have uh, uh, a deepening inequality problem, uh, in our case, of a regional nature. Um, that is not to be blamed in, in a free trade agreement, but to be blamed on how it is working and how far uh, have we done our job in providing the necessary um, tools for all the population to benefit. And that has been uh, the case. We have not provided those tools, those bridges that will uh, improve the competitiveness and productivity of the workers, particularly in the southern, uh, more backward part of the country. 
And uh, that's a problem that must be addressed. Since we're talking about inequality and poverty, those are what we might call push factors in, in the emigration of people from Central America and Mexico to the United States. President Obama is, is coming south to at least trumpet the idea that he is catalyzed the discussion about immigration reform in the United States. He doesn't have it in hand, but we know that there is a package being discussed. Is, is this also part of these discussions about inequality? Well, there, there must be. Um, Mexico is very careful about uh, making the point of respecting the sovereignty of other nations, in this case the U.S., uh, to do whatever they fi- see fit in terms of um, uh, migration laws and so on and so forth. Uh, we don't want to be uh, seen as meddling in, in the internal affairs of another country. But clearly it does affect us in more than than one way. It affects us because um, for the last 20 years, uh, until recently, uh, one-third of uh, the new labor force that joins the Mexican labor market uh, comes to the U.S., roughly speaking, 400,000 per year. This has changed in the last three, four years. Um, and we are very concerned about the protection of uh, in the undocumented workers in the U.S. We are very concerned about the massive deportations that have been carried out by the Obama administration. And we are very concerned to be congruent with the whole idea, with our border to the south and the more than 100,000 migrants from Central America that come to the U.S. via Mexico. And they are subject to all sorts of of problems and abuses in Mexico. So we have to work with that, and that imposes uh, obligations and costs. Francisco, did you have something you would like to add about immigration or um, any of these? Yeah, yeah, Professor, yeah, because it's interesting um, that borders with NAFTA and CAFTA were open to capital and business. Uh, but they have been close to people who have to migrate, not because they want to leave their families or countries, but because the economic model implemented and during in the region in during the last uh, thirty to forty years has has failed to them. Uh, so I, I I think we need to be a little bit more critical on on this topic. I know that. Um, we don't have to blame just United States or transnational comfort or companies or elites, but I don't think uh, free trade agreements are uh, the best way to develop our countries. In as Mexico has shown, and, um, in the case, for instance, in the case of El Salvador, El Salvador was the first country who signed the uh, the CAFTA agreement in in 2006, and they still uh, export. Uh, uh, people to the United States. 20% of the Salvadorians are in the United States, and uh, I think immigration will be part of this summit here in Costa Rica, but I'm not sure if uh, this will be um, attended by the by the United States. Our guest today on Latin Pulse, Professor Francisco Robles Rivera of the Universidad Nacional and Universidad de Costa Rica, and economist Manuel Suarez-Mir of American University will be back discussing President Obama's trip to Latin America with both of these gentlemen in a moment. A man is found guilty of trafficking Brazilian women to the UK to make them work as prostitutes. The head of an international trafficking network is jailed in Romania. 
and three people are sent to prison in America for operating a Mexican baby smuggling ring. Human traffickers trick and deceive their victims, but by joining forces, we can bring these criminals to justice. Support the United Nations Global Initiative to Fight Human Trafficking. UNGift.org. Welcome back to Latin Pulse. Joining us today, Professor Francisco Robles Rivera of Universidad Nacional and the Universidad de Costa Rica, joining us from San Jose, Costa Rica, via long distance. And in our studios, economist Manuel Suarez Mir of American University. Manuel, let me start with you. We, we have done a, a good job of staying on the topics that uh, at least Mexico's president and President Obama would, would like us to stay on. They, they have shaped this as a trip that will talk a lot about economics and somewhat about immigration. But there are other issues of uh, state security and the drug war, which hover over all of this, especially when we talk about Mexico. Is there a potential for those topics to overwhelm these economic and business trade topics? Well, both countries are trying to uh, lower the the weight of um, these topics of related to uh, illicit trades and their consequences, because uh, clearly President uh, Peña Nieto wants to change the emphasis that the previous Mexican administration of President Calderón put on that, and de-emphasize the war on on drug cartels and uh, emphasize the problems of violence that are very serious in Mexico and how to deal with them. Uh, having said that, clearly, uh, we just have to see the, the agenda of visits uh, of high-ranking officials in the last few weeks. Uh, the Secretary of the Interior, Gobernación, uh, was here, who, who now has the, the monopoly of security issues in Mexico. He's back in control of coordinating the other areas, including the, the military. And um, uh, <clears throat> Attorney General Holder was in Mexico only uh, 10 days ago. Uh, no other cabinet uh, official uh, has been visiting Mexico. That tells you something that, that clearly they have uh, issues to discuss there. And, and there have been controversy and criticism directed toward the Mexican government about the idea of changing this relationship about how the drug war is fought. Um, although the criticism in Mexico, and the reason that many people think Enrique Peña Nieto is, is the president, is that he has a different strategy for how to fight this drug war. Uh, the right wing, the panistas, seem to be much more in tune with Washington in directing how that was going. Indeed, uh, as, as we saw in the Dana Priest um, article that was published in the Washington Post a few days ago, clearly there is a, a, a definitive effort in the case of Mexico to uh, change the relationship because it's considered that um, the way the um, security agencies in, were working in Mexico was far too, too close, let's say, too intrusive. And um, the idea is uh, for that to stop. Now, clearly, the security-related community in Washington is not happy about that because they were very happy with hundreds of operatives roaming around the country freely and uh, approaching the various agencies and, in many cases, manipulating them to do what they wanted. Uh, and this led to many problems, including uh, the imprisonment of um, people who were not in 
proven to be guilty of anything uh, based on the testimony of protected uh, uh, witnesses here in the hands of the Drug Enforcement, Enforcement Administration, the DEA. Um, that's going to change, clearly. And um, But what the Obama administration, I'm sure, wants to do is uh, to maintain some access and control of their assets in Mexico uh, in order to continue what they see their version of a successful fight against drugs. What Mexico sees is, on the contrary, that nothing has been accomplished in terms of the flow of drugs continues, the flow of arms going south continues. The price of drugs in the U.S. markets has not increased, which would be an indication of success. On the contrary, it has dropped. And on top of all of that, uh, the U.S. in the U.S. several states are in the process of legalizing first marijuana. We'll see what happens next. Uh, while we continue to interdict and destroy marijuana um, um, fields in Mexico. So the whole thing is contradictory and has to be dealt with more intelligently. Francisco, there's also been criticism coming from Central America about the drug war and how it's being fought. Um, what are your thoughts about how that may be raised? Yeah, in the, in the case of a Central American Initiative for Security that was implemented by um, the Bush administration in 2007, the United States has spent uh, $500 million since 2007. And I think this will be a very tough topic in the, in the summit because we will find here some different positions about, about drug war. First of all, we have a position like in the president of Guatemala, Otto Perez Molina, who had proposed the legalization of drugs in the region. That, for me, is the most rational decision. Uh, but also we will find in this summit some conservative uh, position at the United States and Costa Rican positions. Uh, in these positions, in, in this conservative position, um, militarization have, uh, has been privileged, but uh, as Mexico with Iniciativa Merida and Plan Colombia have shown militarization is far, far away to be considered a real drug trafficking solution. Uh, um, so for for me, in in this in this trip to to Central America, we will find um, two different agendas. One public, you know, when we when we are discussing about cooperation, political, and economic agreements, but also we will find another agenda that we we, we can call a hidden agenda. Uh, in this agenda, also we will find some geopolitical objectives that will be related with these um, uh, drug wars. Because for me, um, the main interest of the United States, at or at least of this administration, is to secure the region uh, against potential rollback uh, neoliberal strategies, and and also I mean, and I think this is very important to recover the U.S. position in Latin America that has been lost. In, in, the, in the last 12 years because of the because of the United States focus on the region uh, and in other in other regions of the world because of the because of the 9/11 and it also and, it, and also um, because I think they will try to reduce uh, the risk of having nationalistic governments like uh, we, the, the government that we can find in Bolivia, in Ecuador, Venezuela, Brazil, or Argentina. 
Let me follow up on that because many of our listeners have have pointed out that this is really the debate, the debate over uh, whether it's a unipolar world when we talk about Latin America or a multipolar world. Um, and so I'm 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 interested in the reaction from from both of you about um, is this as you characterize it, Obama trying to reestablish the U.S. as the superpower, the, the, the dominant voice in the region, or, or is he also waking up to the idea of a, of a multipolar world? Let, let's start with Francisco and, and then get some response here in the studio. Okay, that's really interesting because uh, just before this uh, trip to Central America, um, John Kerry um, said that uh, United, uh, President Obama will travel to the backyard of the United States. So that that was something about the the, the perspective of the in the of this uh, of this government, uh, and I think uh, we uh, we need to. Uh, clarify the difference between the two Latin Americas. We have uh, a Latin America that depends on the interests of the United States, in which we will find Mexico, Central America, Panama, Colombia, and we will need to try, and the other Latin America that is more, um, let's say, independent than the U.S., uh, from the U.S. interests, that is be part of uh, Mercosur, UNASUR, and nowadays SELAC. And also, I think this uh, visit will, well, we need to ask if this, uh, if this visit will redefine the, the relations between these countries and the United States and the Central American countries and the rest of the countries. Because we need to take into account that Costa Rica is now a part, is now part uh, of La Troika, uh, with Cuba and Chile uh, in the community of Latin American and Caribbean countries, organization in which the United States wasn't invited to be part. So I think um, um, for me, what is trying, what what, is, what this visit will try uh, uh, to point out is uh, to recall, to show the, the, the role of the United States in the region. Several references to CELAC there, and some people have said that this trip is also a response to the successful CELAC summit in Chile, where the Europeans were, were negotiating um, various um, uh, treaty agreements regarding trade and in, in other items. But but I, I want to follow up before getting to Manuel. Uh, so you're resentful of the idea that, that Secretary of State Kerry mentioned um, Latin America as the back, backyard. That that is a is a term, a phrase that that has a strong reaction from you, Francisco. Yeah, because you know that's part of a very old uh, policy that the United States. Well, maybe we can call it part of the uh, big neighbor policy. Manuel, any final thoughts? Well, yes, uh, I think that uh, indeed the U.S. has to um, uh, restore some leadership role in Latin America. Um, it has been uh, challenged to some degree by uh, the demagogues of, uh, uh, led by uh, now deceased president uh, of Venezuela. Um, it's, the jury is still out to see what happens. Uh, the, the model of uh, where Venezuela lurched to the left uh, is clearly a failure. And that's not going anywhere. And I think that uh, the other countries that have followed in that that model 
are having trouble. And they are going to have far more trouble with, uh, without the Venezuelans, Venezuelan dollars. Um, so this is a, a good moment in which the U.S. can, in, in, a, in an intelligent way, if proposes a constructive agenda to sort of restore part of its uh, uh, leadership role in, in Latin America. Well, I'm sure, gentlemen, that we could go on for a long time, but that is all the time we have. Thank you very much to our guests today, Manuel Suarez-Mir of American University and Francisco Robles-Rivera of the Universidad Nacional and Universidad de Costa Rica, joining us today from San Jose, Costa Rica. Thank you both. Thank you, Professor Robles. And now a programming note. Latin Pulse will be offline next week for a brief spring break. Will return on May the 17th. Latin Pulse is available in various locations on the web, including iTunes and Facebook. To see the Latin Pulse archives of video programs on Latin America, you can check out Link TV's website, www.linktv, all one word, .org, and then forward slash Latin Pulse, also all one word. That's www.linktv.org, forward slash Latin Pulse. If you'd like to respond to this week's program, you may leave us a message online via SoundCloud, or you may write us via email. You can find us at latinpulse at gmx.com. That's latinpulse, all one word, at gmx.com. Thanks for joining us this week on Latin Pulse. For our entire team, associate producer Kurt Devine and announcer Victor Kilo, I'm Rick Rockwell. Escuchenos otra vez. Gracias por su tiempo. Latin Pulse is sponsored by the Center for Latin American and Latino Studies at American University. The program is produced at the university's School of Communication with the support of Link TV. Theme music provided by Link TV with additional music from Canary Productions and Bath Time Music Publishing. This program is copyright 2013, Las Rocas Productions.